This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. don't know because you're listening to this show and not reading our internal documents. Today's topic is what have we been working on that's not necessarily for Delta Green? What other are projects for RPGs and tabletop games? I recently painted my first Warhammer miniature and uh, probably going to paint a couple more of those and start playing that with some friends. So uh, that's that's what I'm working on. It's other tabletop right now. It's kind of minor. Uh, what what faction in this game? Yo, I still don't know anything about the lore. There's just, you know, like two or three decades worth of stuff to catch up on. But you know what? Neither do I, but you must have, you must have, there must have been something written on the container. Oh, I of got the... the starter set that has some like ultramarines and some necrons in it. So that's cool. I'm probably just going to bog standard paint those just to, you know, just trying to practice, get some painting in before I pick up. You considered like methamphetamine or heroin? Uh, also, like while you're going down this road of just doing horrible things to yourself, you know, you may as well go all the way. Yeah, I don't know. I might just sniff some of the glue, to put the models together. Well, 40k is kind of bad as a game. Like not even just from an expensive perspective and from a games workshop, the games workshop sucks perspective, but also just from like a rules perspective. But like I do acknowledge that the mo- it's cool to paint models and play games with your friends and. I wish I knew how to fucking paint anything, because I really don't. Yeah, I gotta say, Jake, your first model looked qu- quite good for someone who that was their first model. Thanks. Jake, how much how much assembly did you have to do with these little guys? So the new ones, this is like 9th edition Warhammer, the new ones, the you don't even have to glue them. They snap together. Like, you cut them off the the, the sprues or whatever the little plastic holders are. Sprues, yeah. Yeah, and then... You chop the excess off, and then they like click into place. Jake, do you know? Do you know what the excess plastic on a on an injection mold is called? No, it's called the flash. The flash. And you know, you know why it exists? Why it forms those distinctive ridges? No, because that's the spot where the plastic seeped into the gap between the two halves of the mold. But uh, yeah, they they just kind of snap together now, so it makes it even easier. That's great, and I agree with I agree with Kevin. You did it did a cool job painting that, and um. I remember the first the first model I ever tried to make was um, it was a little like universal carrier towing a six pounder gun and I'm geez they better ship that fucking thing to the home guard because that thing was not ready for frontline service after I was through with it <laughs> like trying to get like the glue to assemble it correctly and like you know needing like a a, a thing to measure the angles so that it make it would all go together correctly I think that was an air fix I think that was like the kind of the, the bog standard and I never even thought about painting it. I just wanted to kind of get some practice with painting in and the local, they, they rebranded. I'm not even sure if they call themselves Games Workshop anymore. It's just Warhammer is the name of the store now. Right. But, uh. Because <laughs> they killed all their specialist lines. Oh, you could, I think you could buy like the battle for Pelennor Fields and that was about it. There was like Age of Sigmar and there was like 40k and those are like the only things in the store now. And look, I mean, back in the day. Like, you guys have it easy. You snap together models and shit. Like, back in the day, if you wanted, like... Oh, back in Listen, like, if you wanted, like, a, like a good Imperial Guard tank, you had to buy, like, the plastic kit, and then you had to go buy a resin or metal kit from another company that you had to glom together. And you think putting, like, gluing plastic to metal or resin, like, that sucks. But Kevin, that, that's how it is today, though. Like, like if you ever if you ever go to talk to people, they'll they'll all talk about like all this middleware that they have to get. Like, they call it bits. Bits, yeah. To get to get to get pieces from like or all gubbins. these other second and third party um, resellers, or or like you know make, making stuff that's like coming close to Games Workshop's trademark, but not quite. Which I completely support because Games Workshop is all fucking ripped off of Dune and and uh, 2008 and other when stuff. When I was in the store, the guy was trying to sell me that. Um, 40k was basically the progenitor of all the other sort of uh, brands and stuff like that. He was like, you like Star Wars, you like Dune, you like Halo, you like Destiny. All that came from Warhammer. 
And I was like, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm just going to let that slide. I'm not going to get into an argument with you because you're going to give not, me pain so here's the thing. So It would not surprise me if certain parts of the modern Star Wars were pretty heavily influenced by 40K, like the battle scene in Solo. There's a lot of people who have suggested that that's that, that was knocked off of, of Warhammer. But Warhammer was, again, and, and I think that's a good thing to have this back and forth. It's just like how Star Wars was based on Kurosawa, but Kurosawa was based on old American westerns. I think that back and forth is super cool. Or like how anime was based on just whatever fucking cartoons Japan imported after the war. Right, oh, the Bugs Bunny and everything like that, the American cartoons. But I, I just didn't want to get into an argument with the guy in this. I'm not going to sit there and, right. and argue with the comic book shop runner. I spend... <laughs> yeah. So so one, one thing that I noticed is that um, the comic shop and game shop that I used to go to, the dude was very good about not being drawn into stupid nerd arguments. Good. Like, I didn't... I, I, I was... I was when I started going to the store, I was at the age where I, I kind of knew better than to just pick fights with people over no re- over just stupid nerd shit. But, um, you know, some of the younger people or just some of the older people who, who just like to argue would, would like try to draw him into these discussions. And he was very good about being like, okay, cool. Like being, being not like a dig about it, but also like not indulging the need to have a grog, not argument. Right. But, uh, so my my interest in Warhammer is it's related to an interest I have. I got my hands on some Halo mini wargaming minis um, for something called Halo Ground Command, and that's an out of print uh, war game now set in the Halo universe. And I wanted to learn how to paint good, so I could uh, paint those pretty well. What armies did you get for that? Um, I got the starter set for that too. So it's the Battle for Reach, which includes some, you know, just some basic UNSC Marines, a couple of Spartans, some Warthogs. It's, a ba- it's the Battle for Reach, and it's just like a big box it's, of broken glass. Yeah, they just, they just give you, like, what is this? This charcoal is like everything is burnt to a crisp. No, it's just some, some UNSC and then some Covenant. That's cool. You know, you know what I imagine when I imagine trying to paint stuff like that is it's difficult to get visually like stuff that glows correct if you're not super into the whole painting and modeling right, thing. Right. And Halo is full of glowing shit like plasma guns right. and like an, like the energy shield. You try to like get it to be transparent but also reflective and shit. So, like I said, I'm, I'm gonna try and use those Necrons uh, from the Warhammer set yeah. to kind of learn how to get that painting process down, right? For those of you who aren't familiar with Warhammer, the Necrons are like the cyber skeleton guys that come out of the, the ground on the tomb worlds. And they are, their, their aesthetic is like metal and then glowing green bits that come out of it. Right. So there's all like this neon shit that they have. They're all shiny. So uh, I want to eventually convince my friends to play that war game with me. But even that is something that I'm only moderately interested in because I've been trying to write my own Halo RPG. So I'm, I'm doing Warhammer to do the Halo minigame to work on a Halo RPG. It's Jake, it's can, all... we, can we do one more thing with Warhammer before we go to your, yeah, sure. to your game? Okay. Uh, have you ever thought about playing Kill Team? Is that is that an RPG? Is that a Warhammer RPG? Kill Team is uh, basically it's a skirmish variant of 40k, and it's like what if 40k had good rules and you didn't need to buy as many miniatures? That'd be cool. I mean, I I've watched a couple of the videos over the past week with like you know three thousand point armies or like these huge number of uh, point armies, and I'm just like, whoa, this looks like it's gonna take forever. So I think the skirmishes would probably be better for me. I don't know if I have the patience for big big battles. It's also just mechanically, like, I think most people agree that it's just mechanically a better game. Yeah. I, d- I don't know anything about editions or anything. I know this is Warhammer 9th edition is the new one. Well, it's well, the, 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 the difficult part is that um, there's the base. Uh, Kev- Kevin, you, tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, because this is the impression that I picked up. I don't actually know that much about it. But my impression has always been that there's, like, the editions of the core book, but then each individual faction also gets like cycles of updates so even though you're on like ninth edition you can have different factions that are at different stages of development like people were complaining for years that sisters of battle were like 10 years out of date the, the biggest problem with the warhammer is that they're always trying to sell you more stuff so they every year they release like a new codex and they update something and they give it something cool so that you buy it but then they also make like what you had from 10 years ago worthless um so it's the same it's honestly the same kind of problem with magic guards where it's like a top tier deck from a decade ago, like can't even 
deal with like a, like a starter deck from today, that kind of thing. Power creep or something like that, or it's so damn expensive. It's like it gets really kind of slap in the facey because it's like, yo, I'm just trying to play this game. I don't like want to have to spend hundreds of dollars to stay up with it. They did some. Re- I remember they did some reverse power creep though, because people were saying that there was a rule in the new orc codex that made the entire faction unplayable called mob rule, where they all just eat each other if they take any damage. And they were saying, like, this is why orc players are, like, actually the best to be around, because you're never going to find one who's, like, a power gamer, or, like, who's, you know, one of those tournament people who's just insufferable, because there's no reason you'd ever play this army if you wanted to win. That's my friend. He's got a bunch of his orc boys, and that's just all he cares about is just making them look cool. He doesn't really care about winning. He just wants his boys to look cool. There, uh, there used to be a rule where the the orcs had these things called trucks, T U R K K S, and yeah. the carrying capacity was was however many models you could fit on it. Yes, yeah. And the thing was, any model that falls off takes. It's, it, I think it took a hit or takes damage. Yeah. But I remember, I remember seeing the guy who had magnetized his model, so he could put like forty boys yeah. on a truck. That's and great. I was like, I'm not even mad. That's there impressive. were people who would put who would put like a giant Slurpee cup and like paint it with with like Gork and Mork and put it on the back of the car and yeah. then just put a handful of guys in it. Oh, it's like I'm actually impressed. That's very yeah. There, there was a rule. I remember reading about this on. Um, there was like the Murphy's Rules thread. There was a, a thing where. Um, because movement from vehicles was just from any part of the vehicle measured, there would be people who would bring a vehicle with like a giant antenna that stuck out sideways, and then what you do is you just turn it 90 degrees in the spawn, and it would stick all the way across the table into the enemy's deployment zone, and then you just put a truck full of guys in the enemy's spawn. Oh. Yeah. So you can't like kit bash with the way these new things snap together. It's harder to kit bash. It's harder, yeah. I guess you could, but it, it's harder. I think it's I think it's easier for people who want to just get the thing together, and then once you become like a serious hobbyist, then you go on all the grognard sites. It's like if I buy this Airfix model from 1999, and then <laughs> attach this this optional piece from uh you know like the third party um, Judge Dread miniatures game that Games Workshop used to do. So it's it's funny. I actually I got rid of all my Warhammer stuff. I don't know. Got it probably like nine, ten years ago. Um, and thankfully, I basically I basically just took like a bunch of photos of it and put it up online and was like all or nothing. I will ship it to your house. And somebody was like, I'll give you nine hundred bucks for it. And I was like, fucking done. Nice. Uh, and I feel I still feel good about that. But I do wonder if nowadays with three D printing and stuff, if I bet you can do a lot more interesting kit bashing. Because you're just like, oh, I need a piece that does this. It's model it up, infusion, and print it. And now you have like you know, or get an STL file from somebody who's better than you. Now you have like you have an or not the Space Marine. That's one of the cool things about the Halo game. So that company that made those was called Spartan Games, and they went under. They're bankrupt. They are no more. So a lot of the people in that Halo Ground Command community are now just going on to like the Master Chief Collection files, taking the 3D assets from the video games, and then 3D printing them. So that's pretty cool. I think it's sort of a underground sort of Warhammer, or Warhammer, an underground uh, war game scene there, and I'd like to break into that eventually. I don't have a 3D printer, but I'll probably just pay someone to make some stuff for me because like they don't have any brute models or uh, that that came with the uh, the original Ground Command set. So that kind of sucks for the upcoming Halo game because the brutes are going to be back in it, and the Banished is one of the big factions that's supposed to take part in it. So hopefully I can, you know, get someone to 3D print me off some of those so I can keep using Jake, that. Jake, you're not going to find models for that because no one who does that cares about any Halo game after like three or four. Yo, that's, that's not true. I, uh, I I was stalking on, there's a, a Facebook Ground Command group. I don't have a Facebook account anymore, but I was just browsing through it. And there's a bunch of files, like a lot of files, and some of them are for Brutes. So. Yeah, they're for Brutes, but Brutes aren't from like Halo 3. Four plus. They're from the. Aren't they from the second game? They're in two, three, four. Wait, they're not in four. But uh, they're, they're is four there. the one where they got replaced with robots? Yeah, yeah. Tell me how many. Tell me how many like forerunner robot commandos you find on the STL file for them. There are any, and I'm thinking about. It. I, I mean, I don't want them first of all because <laughs> I don't think anyone does. Yeah, they're just not good. So it's 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 funny you mentioned Warhammer. Like, so when Warhammer was fun, it was when you were like hanging out with your boys, and you put together like a twenty thousand point versus twenty thousand point like massive army in somebody's like living room, and you spent all goddamn day doing it. And like, I don't have time for that anymore. But you also you also mentioned like grognards and some people take it too seriously. So it's definitely better when you don't take it seriously because like if you want a power game and win, you absolutely can put together like an unbeatable army and just steamroll everyone. I remember there was this, at my old friendly local game store, 
there was a dude who would do that. And basically, it got to the point where even in like in a tournament, like I kind of understand you're playing to win, you know, go nuts. But even in friendly games, and like he'd like some like kid who's like twelve would show up and be like, "Hey, I got my first army. Does anyone want to play?" And he'd be like, "Sure, kid." And he would like obliterate this kid like mercilessly. Oh my god! And it, it got to the point where what, what what we would all do is we'd agree to play with him. We'd let him. We'd make him set everything up, and then we'd forfeit. We'd be like, "I forfeit." And eventually, he's like, no one, everyone would play with him and do that to him. And finally, he figured out that like it's because we don't want to play against your like stupid cheese real broken army today. We want to play against like. We just want to enjoy, like, actually get out of our spawns and do something. I guess I would take him over the guy who always cheated to play Necrons. That's, like, still to this day makes me, like, I don't like Necron faction because this guy was a douche who was just, it was just constant, you know, and he would do stuff like he'd measure from the front of a base and then move him and then measure to the end of the base would so get an extra base worth of movement. Um, and he'd, like, he'd, like, roll dice and be like, oh, that's a leaner and grab it for you. I don't, I don't, I don't know, it. Kevin. Sounds pretty base to me. <laughs> but it was just like you would just see like constant, constant like that. And it was just like, dude, no one like why are you like this? It's a game of we're trying to have fun. Ugh. So anyway, what, what what was your favorite faction when you did play? I had two. I had two really cool arms. I had a chaos army that I I kit batched with a bunch of Tomb Kings of Camry stuff. So they had those like big like tower shields on their arms and stuff, which which always looked really cool. And I get like almost like all the commanders had like um. Uh, like Horus heads and, and you know, like like uh, Egyptian-style, you know, accoutrements okay. and scarabs and stuff. Uh, they were really cool. And then I had a pretty neat... I like Imperial Guard. I just never had the like money to put together. And my dream army was always like a fully mechanized Imperial Guard army. So everybody, everybody's in a vehicle, but that's just like thousands of dollars. So then I had, right. a, I had a mechanized Space Marine army, which is pretty neat. So everything could start in a vehicle or in like a scout scout flyer and stuff. And that was pretty cool. The Chaos guys who were the Tomb Kings kit bash was nice because they were at least like different. And then the uh, the guy who owned the Final Look Game Store, he had an Imperial Guard army that was all skeletons. So think about it: Imperial Guard, you need like five hundred dudes. So he basically custom made every single guy into a skeleton army. And I think he was even in games in one of the Games Workshop magazines because it was he did it so well. He's also the kind of dude who would like he would buy a Bane blade. It's like it's like a ninety dollar model make the model, and then slice it in half, turn it over, and make it into a piece of destroyed terrain. Yeah, I thought that <laughs> so, was the know, point. Like, the wreckage of... making terrain. That's yeah, a really like, cool way to do it. Most people will not spend a ton of money on a, on a you know, almost $100 on a model, and then painstakingly put it together, and then just, like, you know, cut it in half with a heat gun and, you know, wire cutter and make it into a terrain, you know? That sounds pretty cool. The skeleton army was uh, was awesome. Everything, even like the little sentinels, like the two legged ATAT type things, they had like they were like giant skeletons. So they had like giant, leg, you know, femurs for legs and stuff. It was really really neat. But man, I don't even want to know how long it took them to do it. Uh, Jake, I interrupted you when you wanted to talk about your own uh, Halo game. Um, well, there's not too much to talk about. It's still pretty much in development. Um. Jake, what was the experience that caused you to want to make your own Halo game? Uh, was it oh, because there might be some other game out yeah. there that tried to do the same thing? Yeah, I was playing Halo Mythic, the other um, fan-made RPG, Halo RPG, uh, that was just... like I, I, I like rolling dice. I think rolling dice is fun, but that game has too many dice rolls. Like, you roll for every... It's one of, like, uh, Call of Cthulhu, the old school, like, roll for every bullet. Except you'd roll for every bullet, and then the defender would roll to not take damage from every bullet. And then you had a lot of balancing to do with shields and armor, and it was just it was just too much. Like a uh, like a simple little skirmish ended up taking too long. And I mean, it's a game that's going to be a lot about combat, so you want it to be quick and fast and over, um, and you want to feel the power level of it all and how that that plays out. But that that was just too much. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm building mine on the framework of Delta Green, just the D100 system. Um, instead of it being one action per turn, you can do quick quickness actions and then thought actions, and those are determined by dexterity score and intelligence score, uh, armor, shields, and then flesh for points. There's basically like three pools of health. Um, and I know that sounds like a lot. It might make it sound like, uh, kind of being a hypocrite about it, but, uh, I think that's, I mean, you can, you can model the, the way that combat goes in the video game pretty well on a tabletop, I think without having to do a ridiculous, you know, roll to hit, roll to dodge, every bullet counts sort of thing. I want to be a jackal who is a pirate. 
That is cool. Yeah, that was one of my ideas for a campaign inside of Mythic, but then I ditched that. I, I wanted it to be like a uh, like a rogue trader situation where every every character was a pirate on a jackal pirate ship because those sort of things exist in like the post war period, like all the meddling uh, together uh, of, of the different factions and stuff. Like you got the planet Venezia, which is basically the insurrectionists and the jackals and the brutes and all your like covenant, like devotee remnants left over. Uh, so it, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of lore in the, the background of Halo that I want to tap into. I'm hoping to get that out there. As like uh, you know, a nice guide to the different planets, um, ways to generate your own planets, ways to generate weird forerunner artifacts. Uh, the game, the video games, don't really touch on weird forerunner artifacts as much as I'd like them to, because there's a lot of really kooky stuff out there in the books. I'm just so sad that the kookiest thing I know from Halo turned out to be a lie. Which one is that? <laughs> that Master Chief suit masturbates him. Oh yeah, yeah. You you fell for that that freaking troll image. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, look, it, it's it a, with the well done image. What can I say? You know? <laughs> it did look like it was taken from a book. I remember that. I mean, it's it's no different than Dune, where it's like, what is it like? Theses is processed in the thigh pad or something like that. Yeah, that's normal. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. That's technology that's, we have that's, today. That's not too far. Okay. Look, look, I've checked. I cannot get a piece of clothing that jerks me off. All right. <laughs> I looked into it. Anyways, those are the things that I've been working on. I've taken a lot of our time with that, Jake. That's good. I like both of your projects. Even though I don't like... I was going to say I don't like 40k, but that's not true. I played in a Rogue Trader game recently that was super, super fun, and like all the shitty parts of the setting suddenly like make sense now. Mm-hmm. Like I used to think that the Eldar sucked because they were just fucking elves, but then as I like learned about how their whole thing is like they have to bring back the God of Death to because... Um, that way when they die they don't go straight to hell anymore mm-hmm. and how they have to like when they when they die they can install their souls in uh like a ship or like a suit of power armor and just and just fly by wire forever which is also super fucking cool so there's like whole ghost ships where the crew died in a radiation leak like in red dwarf but then the the dead the dead minds of the crew can just operate the entire ship like nothing happened that's cool anyway that's that's uh that's good kevin do you want to do your project next yeah, so I've been working slowly on a game uh, called Coin Toss, which is a which I want I wanted to make into a ridiculous military acronym, kind of like Magic Carpet. So it stands for Counterinsurgency, Tactical Operations, Strike and Secure. But obviously, no one would ever call it that. But the, the general idea is I wanted a game. Uh, so the reason I create, I've started creating this is every game that I found where you're to do like a modern day. Like military operation to like clean out terrorists, like deal with insurgencies and stuff, is either too pulpy and like super or actiony and not like grounded in reality. But then the grounded in reality ones are like Phoenix Command level two simulationist. And I want somewhere in the middle of that, I want a mix where like you like you know look at like the Bin Laden raid, like you do some research, you find some intel, and then you plan the op. And then when you go into the op, you you know you're you're rolling some dice, and the action is fast, but you feel like you're actually kicking down doors, like smoking bad guys. At the end of the day, you know you high five American, you know the, the national anthem plays, and you all have a beer. So I've been digging through that. I've, I've come up with a couple of mechanics, and I still have, I, mean, I have a lot of ways to go. But one of the core things is I kind of worked out a system where you can kind of using like a some dice and a dice dropping method, which I know Jake's uh, tested for me. You can kind of create an area of, of like a map area and create like a terrorist network, which then, you know, the, the option, the operations would be to like dismantle that network, you know, holistically. So no two games are, are different, which is kind of neat. What's uh, what's some of your inspiration for it, for this game? Um, this, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, any movie or, or game, and a lot of Tom Clancy stuff, you know, any movie where, you know, like Zero Duck 30 or Active Valor, you know, I mean, I, I recognize that there are a lot of problems with, like, the nationalistic, jingoistic fantasy, but at the same mean, time... Do you mean, like, the endless sea of, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. neocon schlock? Yeah, like, I, I understand that there's problems there, but, like, it's also fun to just play a good guy and shoot the bad guys. And I want a game that does that, where you're not a superhero, but you're also not, you know, you're, you're a little bit of a badass... Uh, and it makes it enjoyable, but I also didn't want it to turn to be like, all right, open the door, or I rolled to open the door, 
All right, your roll was a seven, so you open the door 13 degrees. All right, now what, you know, I aim my gun. Okay, roll to aim your gun. I didn't want that level of simulation, this nonsense, because it bogs the game down. And so I didn't find anything that did that. I looked for a while. I mean, maybe there's something out there, but I looked, and then I looked enough that I gave up. I just, you know, opened a Google document and started throwing ideas onto paper. So we'll see if it survives. If it ever gets the playtest stage and survives it. But I know, like I said, Jake did playtest the, like, terrain generation stuff, and he came up with a couple plausible maps. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely some, like, the Ghost Recon, uh, Breakpoint or Wildlands style, like, you know, here's a, here's a network of things, sure. you know, kind of open open world RPG approach. So a couple, couple of things that I'm kind of working out, like, I think I'm going to try to make it so uh, everybody has, essentially everybody has, like, two player characters, because there's, like, one is, like, an intel side. It's, so, like, one does, like, research and intelligence gathering and, like, non-shooty stuff, and one does shooty stuff. That's kind of, like, a nebulous idea that I'm still kind of working through, because I recognize that there are people who do both in reality, but I think it would be neat. Uh, it, w- it would suck to be, like, a guy who's, like, all about kicking down doors and, like, fast rope near, like, a helicopter pilot who's, like, you know, awesome at his job, and then, like, you know, the two sessions, the next session you're going to play is all about, like, you know, sneaking around gathering intel or talking to people. Like, you don't have the role for that, so you're bored. So, like, we'll just have a character who has that role and play them when you're doing that, you know, because you're part of a team, you know, trying to take down the the bad guys. And then I'm looking at, I, I, look, I, I kind of ginned together a pretty quick way to do the test, you know, to make roles. So, uh, and actually I had some help from from, from a, a friend there, but this is somewhere also, I'm not at the playtesting stage yet, but when it gets there, some of this may, you know, not survive first contact with actual players when you never know. Basically, you, you have a level of training and a skill, um, and the level of training determines the max, the minimum you can roll. So if you're untrained in something, you know, so you roll a d6. If you're untrained, then you can roll anything. But if you're trained, any ones become twos. If you're if you're a master or something, then they become fours. So you're trying to make a pool and roll dice, but it's pretty. I'm hoping it's a pretty quick way to, like, you know, somebody who's a master or something can still fail, but they're unlikely to have a super miserable roll on something. So. Again, that hasn't been too super tested, but I like it as a concept. You know, we'll, we'll see if it survives. See, when you described it to me, it, it when I when I first heard about it, I thought you were just going to use um, the Forged in the Dark, which is like the Blades in the Dark generic rule set. Yeah, well, so I mean, when I started this, I hadn't really played Blades. I still don't think I would use it. Mainly because I've already started working on enough, enough of, of my own stuff that it feels like its own thing. Right. I saw once on a website someone had posted an idea for a game called Knights Foul Legions, and it was mostly just a pun based on Knights Black Agents. But the idea was that you're a counterinsurgency guy who is suspicious that some members of the insurgency or of the counterinsurgency are actually possessed by a secret demon cult. And so I thought that was a really fun idea, and you could like invert the conspiramid format, and so instead of having it be a pyramid with the vampires at the top, it would instead be a relationship map, and then you would pick a node on the map where the demonic infestation starts, and it starts growing outwards like a cancer, as you, the player characters, try to find who is responsible and, and deal with the issue. I thought that was a super cool idea. I never did anything with it, because, but I but um, I drew up like an example um, version of that relationship map that I thought of for um, being like guys from the detachment during the Troubles in Northern Ireland and trying to deal with a rogue um, unit from Box that had become infested with the demon and was encouraging them to do sadistic things. And uh, basically, basically the um, the the Shankill butcher, but with demons. I envision uh, like a, a a system of like the generic rules for coin toss are going to be like probably versus like an, an ISIS style insurgency. But I certainly envision either me writing it or someone else doing it. Like little like play playbooks of like, do you want to set this you know versus the, you know an, an IRA type insurgency? Do you want to do this as fighting like a you know, a U.S. like conservative type insurgency. You know, here's some things to tweak for that. You know, instead of generating your own map, you know, take a map of the Greater Belfast area, or whatever, and roll the network on that. So I, def- I definitely think it'll have some options for other types of like conflicts. That's cool. So in playing the game, you'd also like learn a couple of things potentially. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I've I've learned. So we're um, you know Jake's with me in this, but we, we're both playtesting Gunslinger, and I've learned that there's kind of a gulf of difference between 
the system that someone writes and then the games they run in it. Because they bring so many of their own things to a game that may not come through in like the system document. So I don't know. I mean, I think if you played, I think if you played even the worst game of Halo Mythic with like the guy who invented the Halo lore, you'd get way more out of it than if you played the best game of Jake's Halo system with like, uh, you know, someone Jake. who's bad. What? Yeah, or, yeah, or like you know, what? some. <laughs> Come on, you know, like with like, Matt Mercer, whatever. Like you, you get different. <laughs> you would get different things out of it. Okay. So really, I just want to—I just want to set the—I mean, the I, rules framework. I want to see this uh, in action. I want to—I want to uh, play test it whenever you got it coming up, man. Yeah, it's—I actually, I f- I, I'm being forced to take four weeks of PTO, which is actually really annoying. It's like I have shit to do, and I don't have—I can't go anywhere. So like, when we just sit around my house, so I'm gonna hope, hoping to dig into do some more intensive work on it there, and and see. I got a lot, a lot of it now. It's just like outliney, you know, like like notes to myself about like you know, here's the system I've I've thought about. You know, here's some ideas for it. How do you fail forward? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, so we'll see. I'm hoping to get to a point where I can play test it. Although I think the first play test, I just need to get the the two parts of the game that need to feel really solid are at the Intel Gathering, which I, I really like how Iconoclast, the first play test of Iconoclast from Delta Green did that. So I may try to crib some there. Kicking down doors and shooting bad guys has to feel good. So the first sets of play tests are certainly not going to be like full campaigns. It's just going to be like, here's a fire. It's like a shoot house. Help me make you know. Help, it'll be like character generation and then shooting bad guys just to see how all those systems work. But yeah, definitely. I certainly plan on grabbing you know folks either from here or not at the opera. It's playtesters because they're readily available and tend to have opinions about games for good and for bad. <laughs> I didn't say either. You know? <laughs> what about you, Max? You working on something? Okay, so one of the projects that I have going on is a game that I had an idea for in undergrad many years ago but have now um, returned to because I got excited about the premise again. It's called Tales of the Fleshsmith, and it is a game about being a wizard in a world where all magic is related to different parts of the body. And so you are a sorcerer in a world where you can be a like a gastromancer and do like intestinal based magic and like, you know, shoot gouts of steaming hot stomach acid at people or make some the food that someone just ate attack them or whatever. Or you can be like a, a bone mage and like grow badass size out of your arm or give people osteoporosis, stuff like that. But then there's also like a um a quasi industrial revolution element of like people want special want to harvest parts from magical creatures to like graft to themselves. Like they want, you know, uh skin from an elf so that they can make themselves invisible or wings from a dragon. So all the magical creatures are being hunted to extinction. And people are like, yeah, fuck them. They used to, they used to eat us. So we're, you know, turning the tables. And, uh, there's, you know, like whole, whole parts of the continent, not just gigantic meat camps where they're, um, just hacking up carcasses of things that have been slaughtered in vast numbers. And, uh, the issue I'm having is that, uh, it's difficult to, design a system that has enough depth to actually reflect like, okay, this player wanted to be, you know, an endocrine wizard and like manipulate people's hormones to make them, to make them do things. Whereas this guy wanted to be a, a bone wizard who specializes in like getting his platelets to make more blood. It's difficult to get down to that level of detail without making the system just overcomplicated and broken, which is the mistake that I made when I initially drew up this concept. And people are going to, I can already hear the comments saying like, oh, use GURPS, use Savage Worlds, use this other system. It's actually more work for me to learn to use someone else's system than just design my own. Uh, can, I, I had a thought, if you if I can offer a thought here. Uh, I wonder if something along the lines of like, like, like let, let the players figure it out. So like everybody gets like two, you know, everybody gets like X amount of like magical things they can do. So if you're like a, a blood wizard. Yeah, I'm think I'm thinking that's that's the direction I'm gonna take. Where instead of like listing a million spells, it's gonna be like, all right, you you can choose to put five points into these, you know, any of these schools of magic, and then I'm just gonna eyeball it. Like if you say I want to make that guy shit himself and die, I'll be like, all right, you know, oppose your magical skill to his immune system, and then it's like, okay, well you you don't make him shit himself and die, but you do make him shit himself. So be- because you know you're 
power wasn't that overwhelming. But then when you get to like a real high level, like if you invested in blood magic and you'd be like, hey, I want to make that guy explode, I'd be like, yeah, okay, all his blood boils and explodes. And and same same with like augmentations because I don't want to like have a huge cyberpunk twenty. 20 style like here's every possible type of arm that you could have i want it to be more like each at the end of each session you get to choose one part to add to yourself and then it's like okay do you want like a tentacle that you can wrap around things do you want you know to to get gills or do you want to do something that i can't think of because you have more imagination than i do i think you're on the right track kevin yeah then you could come up with like some generic ones like you know it costs one point to do like a minor harm and then let the player decide how, if whether that's boiling blood or you know fingernails that attack them or you know whatever. But like just like spec out the like the generic kind of rules. You know, I don't know. I I I almost don't even want to do that. I almost want to make it like because because my issue with with any system that has like a generic okay here's one that hurts people here's one that's defensive is that then. Um, you have like a, a lot of descriptions, but the mechanical effects that just end up being the same and they're not like differentiated. I think it's a similar problem that like superhero games have where everything is either way too detailed or way too generic. Right. Then you go through and you put things in your shopping cart. Like, uh, yeah. Godlike Godlike was a game that um that somehow managed to be both because it had like very intricate power creation rules, but a lot of it just boiled down to like, hey, here's something that does damage, you fluff how it does damage. And uh, base raiders had a similar had a similar problem. It's very hard to like hit on the exact right level of complexity. But what I'm thinking is, if I if I rather than trying to make like like I'm almost thinking what I'm what I'm thinking of isn't even like an actual magic system because it's not going to be systemized. It's going to be more like you tell me what you want to do and I'll just fucking eyeball whether I think that's reasonable. But the other thing I wanted to do with this game is I wanted to have. Um, one role combat because I just thought it was a cool idea to have a fight be resolved and like like you you get to make some kind of decision but then you you don't do like multiple rounds and you know intricate like detailed movement and so on you just do a single role and the more I'm thinking about it the more I'm thinking it should actually be more like two roles where because that way you actually get to see the effects of what happens in the in the from the initial decision before the whole thing's resolved. So it's yeah, like, you get like a reaction. Yeah. So it, so it's one, one round and then apply consequences. And then if both sides still want to stick it out, you do a second round that cause that, and that, that also is helpful because if you only, if you're only doing one round then that means like 90% of things that you're, um, that you're like special intestinal magic would do are not that useful. Cause it's like, okay, I made the guy, you know, puke, but the the battle's over anyways, so what does it matter whether I made him puke or not? But if you if you have if you have that midpoint, then it's like okay, you can decide to run away. You can you know use a consumable. One of the things that I that I had really gone hard on in the initial design of the game, and it was really just stupid and broken, but was still fun, was um, this idea that because your mana is basically controlled by your intestines, if you just eat like a shit ton of food right before the battle, you'll have more mana, or like drink a bunch of alcohol like in Dungeons of Dreadmore. And so that's one that I still do want to go back to, although not in the level of excessive detail. Just because I think it's funny of the, the idea of like a wizard going into a battle and being super fat, but then he burns all the fat casting spells and so that he comes out looking like a hungry skeleton. Nice. I like that idea. You also, like, so one of the things I plan on doing for mine is um, when I get it to a point where I can play test it, some of the rules where like I don't know what I want to come up with, it just running the play test and being like, all right, you know, here's something we haven't come up with. What do we think? So you can always kind of do the same thing when, when you get to like, you know, if you start doing some combats and it's like, oh, maybe this should be, you know, you can try some as maybe a one, a one roll and then he's like, well, now let me try some as a two roll and see what works. See if people like one or the other better. Or maybe it should be like, maybe it should be like, you should arbitrate every round and, you know, so it would give people more than one chance. Okay. You know, you make the guy puke and he wants to keep fighting. So then you, you know, blow up his leg but like reinforcements show up, and then you know, like so maybe it's more than more. It's like every round gets arbitrated, but then like a two, but it's like I don't know that. Well, that'll shake out in like in playtesting. I it could just be worse, you know. I think the other the other thing that I was thinking about this is I want to rather than trying to detail like a whole imaginary planet, just do a single city because that always for me has gotten better results. Just like keeping it confined to a single geographic area and just being like, hey, there's shit going on elsewhere but you're not gonna go there because it's all shit that you don't care about and if you really care about it we can do that later but right now 
this is where the action is. So basically, it's the it's the city where like the the magic of 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 anatomy was discovered. So it's the place where all this stuff is happening, and you know it's got like all it's got like you know my 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 idea was that was that by default you're some um you're some student at like the at like one of the lesser colleges and you've just learned you know the magic because that provides us that provides a good narrative and mechanical framework for like you are a wizard who will gradually increase in power but right now you kind of suck yeah that uh is is the end game like graduation no because immediately there's going to be like some other thing that happens it's not going to be like um like Discworld, where it's all just running around the unseen university and like memeing it up with the football game and the library and like eating too many breakfasts it's going to be a bit more involved than that uh i had i had like some very basic ideas for the different factions like um one of the issues that they keep having is that uh, because the rest of the world basically exists at a medieval level of technology, um, there's a lot of people who are really unhappy about the whole like grotesque uh, meat creatures that are being unleashed on the world, and so they'll the surrounding kingdoms will periodically mount crusades. But because it's guys with medieval technology against you know essentially like magical like le- like a legion of magically augmented monsters, the normal humans always lose. But it's this really disturbing social phenomena because it's you know like you like you go to the you go to the university and people are like sitting out on the um on in the in the student lounge watching out the window as like a six-armed bear covered in dragon fat vomits digestive acid all over a group of men at arms Yeah, now you need to draw that or find someone who can draw that. So the main inspiration for this was a comic that I really loved as a kid called Dungeon by Jones Farr and Louis Trondheim. Uh, It was a comic about just a guy who runs his own dungeon and he runs it he, he like has monsters in it and the, the the business model is that they tell adventurers that there's treasure in the dungeon and that adventurers come in and then he kills them and takes their stuff and he uses it to like you know pay people and like buy stuff and it be, and it becomes like this whole self-sufficient economy but then there's all these side stories and in one of the side stories there's a a wizard who kills people by like mutilating their their bodies so like he, he gets into a duel with another wizard and so he causes a hair to grow on the other guy's tongue so that he can't cast anything because he can't speak and then there's another one where um they 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 like start a fight with a with a group of wizards and the wizards will like if they just touch you with the index finger they can break all the bones in your body like uh like that weird like the vampire like the pillar men in the uh, um, that one popular animated series and uh, Japanese comic, and um, just a bunch of shit like that. Just really like weird, repulsive magic stuff. But then the the other big inspiration was uh, Wind Up Girl, which is a story by um, Paolo Bacigalupi about uh, a futuristic world where like all the energy comes from these fucked up creatures that like wind up springs and stuff instead of using, you know, chemical fuels, which have all been exhausted. And the world is ravaged by all these fucking horrible plagues. And anyone having, anyone who has an original, like, seed of a plant is like a billionaire because there's very few plants left that aren't just these fucked up mutants. And then uh, the other thing that I ripped off sort of was um, a book called Starfish. Because Starfish is another story about the fucked up world where genetic creatures are replacing regular old life. It's by the blind sight guy, but I think Starfish is better, honestly. I remember you telling me about that one. Starfish is good. Everyone should read it. It's transgressive in a way that's not hip or cool. And that's a good thing. Because it means he ain't just chasing trends. Yeah, I'm not familiar, but sounds interesting. Like you, don't, you don't even know what it's about. Well, I know that it's transgressive in a way that... Um, what you said. You don't know that. You just have my word for it. <laughs> but it's nice that you trust me. So I, I'm, I'm like pretty happy with with where this is going. I don't have like a whole lot done for it, but I have just about enough to like. Like, there's a certain stage where 
writing things will suggest other things that you should write. Yeah. And that's that yeah. can be really annoying if you're just trying to finish something. Like if you have a document that you're working on and you realize that everything you're writing is obliging you to write other stuff, yes. that sucks because it, it means that you'd have to continue working. But if you're trying to just develop something that you don't have a lot thought out for, that's very helpful because it means that now you are able to create things without spending a huge amount of energy thinking up what comes next. Yeah, it's definitely been the process. I've, I've fallen into the trap for when I'm writing this uh, legendary game. Just one thing leads to another. Wait, you actually called it Halo Legendary? Yeah, legendary. God, that's, that's, a, that's a fucking shot across the bow to this other berry picker. Well, Mythic is actually the harder difficulty. Legendary is... Uh, Oh, they're difficulties from the video game. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's uh, easy, normal, heroic, legendary, how about, and then mythic. How about how about Halo? <laughs> Halo easy. Halo easy. Halo hurt me plenty. <laughs> Halo um, night. What is it? Nightmares. The one where all the monsters respawn. Uh, you talking about like skull names? Is that what you're trying to? No, I'm talking about Doom. You dweeb. Oh, gotcha. Look, Doom is just a sixty dollars album with a video game attached to yeah. it. Yeah, sixty dollars. <laughs> I mean, new, right, new, new. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I don't know yeah. the difficulties from the new one. I've been working on a thing um, in collaboration with some of the fine folks of the Black Pants Legion. Um, hey, hey, Max, have you heard of Brigador? Um, that is a video game, right? It is a video game. It's a video game about um, civil war and uh, war crimes and smashing cities. That's correct. Yeah, so... Um, there's this other game about smashing, not necessarily about smashing cities, but about stompy robots and tanks and war machines called Battletech. You heard of that? That's the one that's like Robotech, right? Uh, Look, can we finally, <laughs> can we just, can we finally just be happy that that lawsuit is settled and now yes. we can yes, get we can. good can, robot so, stuff so, again? So Kevin, you and me are the two arms of the meme that I made, the Robotech fans and the Battletech fans <laughs> yeah. saying Harmony Gold, fuck Harmony Gold. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I thought it would be fun to make a little Battletech scenario um, inspired by, by Brigador, in which, you know, Great Leader is dead, and some off-world concern hires a bunch of mercs to go and wreck the orbital defenses so they can send in an army and take control back. So I've been working with a buddy of mine, um, Laws, and I'll put a link to his buy me a coffee thing. He, he makes pretty good, really good maps for uh, Tabletop Simulator. Uh, he works on commission. He's actually an engineer, but he does this to like you know get spending money. Uh, he he and I made a map of a city, uh, and now I'm putting the bits together and making it into a little little BattleTech scenario. So the idea is to have like four guys play the Lance of Mercs. Or piloting mechs or tanks or I'm I'm figuring out a good spread of vehicles to include, and then you'll have little objectives, and then you'll have a GM who plays the the uh, the garrison forces, and the idea will be to knock out as much as you can, and then get to the dropship and get off world, and then you know there's a scoring system, and so that's what I'm working on. Cool. Are you using the existing BattleTech like tabletop rules? Or are you? Oh like, yeah, using the around. existing turn-based Battletech rules. Not going full double-blind with sensors. Uh, I'm using an abstraction, which is... I haven't, I haven't worked out the kinks of that yet, but the abstraction is going to assume that the mercenary force is operating on passive radar, so they won't be seen by the garrison force unless they do something that lights them up. I remember that you were going through all of the maps from the game and trying to figure out how to make them non-isometric. Yeah, um, that was when I was in the initial mapping stage working with Laws and trying to figure out uh, kind of a... Uh, I was trying to... F I was looking at the way that they'd made the maps in Brigador and I was trying to derive some design principles from it because those maps are very good at, despite having a very closed-in area, but having lots of room to move and lots of tactical positioning. So well, I was so trying to kind of... The, the joke is that um, the hardest part of any of the campaign maps is always like the first minute because you have to make enough space that you can retreat to when you pull guys. So the exactly. the last missions in the the la the last missions, the one that they added in the latest update, are absolute nightmares for like the first the first minute or two because you don't have enough room to move. You have to like clear out a couple city blocks so that you can fire your weapons without being swarmed by a million people at once. 
Yeah, and that's that's a consideration with the way that Laws and I have set up the city. But uh, this concept of having um, having a kind of turn-based board gamey kind of brigador thing. This this is similar to the concept that I pitched to Hugh Monahan when we talked to him at Gen Con. Yeah, and I remember we talked about board games and we mentioned that we had played the Die Hard uh, board game in which one person plays John McClane and the rest plays the uh, the thieves. So this is kind of an inversion of that. The the GM plays the garrison forces of the city, and then the players are the the four man mercenary lance tasked with blowing stuff up. It'd be cool if you could automate. If you didn't have a GM, if, you, if there was a set of you could derive a set of rules, or the, or the garrison would like, go on their turn and take a bunch of like logically stepped out actions. That is a good idea. There are a lot of BattleTech scenarios that do that, that have a list of conditional actions that the uh, the opposition force will take based on criteria. So that is another thing that I've been looking at. Uh, I, I probably will look at that once I've actually finished this and then maybe run it a few times with a human GM. I'll then look at yeah. seeing if there's a way that I can derive a list of conditional behaviors so that you can play this scenario without a human GM. But yeah, um, at the moment, I'm trying to figure out if the battle value is accurately... Because every vehicle in Battletech is a battle value that's supposed to represent its like strength compared to others. And I'm trying to work out if that maps to, as a instead of like lance-on-lance combat, if that maps to this kind of running guerrilla urban street fighting kind of thing. Uh, I'm looking at having a couple of medium mechs. Medium mechs are kind of where I'm balancing things because that for that same battle value, you can have a heavy-ass tank uh, or you can have a stupid... <laughs> stupid like Sparrowhawk VTOL with a crack pilot and a Gauss rifle and no armor whatsoever. I don't remember. I, I I remember vaguely from like the TV show and books I read, but like, uh, are there like infantry formations and do they have a chance at yes. dealing with uh, mechs or are they just like absolute fodder? No, there are, there are rules for having infantry units in the tabletop. Uh, they take damage a little bit differently from mechs. Um, there's a whole, there's a whole thing about that. Like, uh, cause, cause mech and vehicle weapons are designed to punch other vehicles and mechs. So if you direct a mech heavy laser against an infantry platoon, it's going to do reduced damage to the infantry platoon just because, you know, they can spread out in a way that. Yeah. It'll, it'll can't. fry the guy that it hits, but it won't it'll be fry the guy it hits. Yeah. But it won't do much else. Whereas specialized dedicated anti-infantry weapons like machine guns or flamers will do full damage to infantry. Um, area effect weapons and that's also why will do the mech with, good the f- with 500 machine guns is still the best mech in the game. I mean, you're not wrong, and it's called a fire starter. So, so we told I told Will about this, but I'll say it on on the show. Uh, there was a, there's, a, there's an anecdote from a, a famous Gen Con game of uh, BattleTech of some description where there was a one of one of the factions was bringing in a dropship full of reinforcements over a mountain pass, and there was a single infantryman with a rifle or something who was because he was high up in the mountains was, was within range to shoot at it so um he uh the infantry unit fires his one rifle hits the dropship does i think no damage but because he was hit by ground fire the dropship pilot has to make a piloting roll he floods the piloting roll and the result that he rolls is is reduced altitude and so he flies the the dropship into the side of the mountain and kills everyone on board if I remember the story, I think the single infantry did uh, did one damage, managed to do exactly one damage, which is the minimum damage you can do. So here's here's a question: in BattleTech, if you're an infantry guy, what kind of weapon are you using? Like, is it just a rifle, or is it assumed that like each guy has access to an ATGM or a grenade launcher or an auto cannon or something? Well, what kind of weapon your infantry unit is going to use is determined when you are constructing the infantry unit. So you can equip them with a variety of infantry weapons, from like small arm rifles to uh, artillery to anti-aircraft, all kinds of stuff. Does does the game stand up at all if you just did like an infantry on infantry combat, or does it fall apart? It should. I don't see why it wouldn't. It should. It should just work. Yeah. Curious. I've never done it, um, but I have played. I have played combined arms BattleTech games with mechs and infantry and tanks, and it, it works pretty well. Anyway, um, oh, I did some more my rogue trader thing. Um, I, you know what? I actually one of my one of my players in my rogue trader game commented that um, was as they were they were exploring this little star system and you know scanning energy signatures and setting away parties down, and he says to me, "No, it's it's this 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 feels like uh, this feels like star control," and I was like, "Yeah, fucking nailed it," because that was exactly what I was going for. I had a uh, I'm running up late in the dark game for a group of people. Um, it's the same group that was going through 
This is uh, the hack known as Sandy Peterson's Cthulhu Mythos, uh, Gig Snake, Red Daddy, awful adventure. Um, so they're, they're coming from a very D&D mindset. So Running Blades has been fun because it's been interesting for, that for, for me to be like, what do you guys want to do? And they're like, uh, well, you know, we have these we have these general goals in mind. I was like, all right, well, you know, how, how do you want to do that? They're like, cool. I don't know. Look, I'm not, I can't. I can't tell you how to do it. You're you're in charge. You're a gang of you know scum and villainy. Like tell me what you do. You know. But uh, they had the quote of the day from their last adventure was uh, someone was like, "Should we lower heat?" And he, there's a heat and a wanted mechanic for people who don't know. And the more wanted you are, like the more potential interactions with the police there are. And uh, anyone who's played Blades knows that like managing heat is pretty important. And like the entire game, they were like, no, we'll just lower heat next session. Like heat's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. But like, it's totally going to bite them in the ass extremely hard. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. What do you guys want to do is how I've sort of been doing Rogue Trader too. Because uh, you can do that because there's, there's this robust system of random star system and planet generation that you can just, just fall back on. It's really, really good. Uh, but that that is the style of open world RPG gaming that that I learned from from Allison who we had on the show, uh, and that's I'm I'm having a lot of fun getting to actually do it myself for the first time. And yeah, Blades is nice because Blades is not only supports that that style of of running a game, but it actually like it's designed around it. Yeah, in a way that Rogue Trader isn't. Yeah, I have a lot of, a lot of fun with it. I I do see it does seem like I'm having a lot of fun with it. Because the world is fun, and letting players like build it is fun. Like just kind of seeing what a story develops, and I'm, I'm enjoying. But I can see that there's a lot of people in like the Blades. There are a lot of fans of Blades who want to run everything in Blades. It's like I don't feel like running Star Wars in Blades. Like I know there's a conversion. Yeah, I mean, for you it. could. It's just no. It, yeah, like it just it, or like running like it just seems like people have tried to attach Blade Glom Blades onto everything. Like I would not want to run Delta Green in Blades in the Dark. It would. To me, like, wouldn't work. Same you with Star what? Wars. I would do as if I were to do a Star Wars Blades thing. I would honestly just use Scum and Villainy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but th- so that's just that's Blades, but Star Wars. But it's like exactly, yeah. But I wouldn't do that because like there's there's already a, a rich, solid Star Wars RPG. Like, I don't think you, that you can still do all the same kind of things you do with Blades, but you just don't need the extra mechanics. Like a lot of the lessons for Blades that are for me are just like the players drive the story, uh, you know, ask, uh, you know, let them, let them fill in details and then, you know, use flashbacks. Like it'd be easier to add flashbacks to Star to Wars. Is a, Star Wars is a game that would have benefited from flashbacks because it reinforces how that game is meant to be played, which is like yeah. not with super elaborate planning, but rather by being creative and reacting to things that happen. Yeah. And you can totally do that. The, the problem with adding any mechanic to uh, Star Wars is that that game is like, kind of built around this pretty intricate progression of like there are these feats and talents that interact with these mechanics in this way so i always worry about adding stuff to a game like that like adding a new mechanic because now it's now you have to wonder like have i just made some character choices like some tree of options just totally obsolete it's like saying it's like it's like you know when you fix grappling in 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 a game you have to go back and be like all right don't take any of these feats because they're all they all refer to mechanics that I've commented out, or like how um, if you don't want to like track food and water and torches and shit, it's like okay, I gotta get rid of light. I gotta get rid of get rid of create food and water. I gotta get rid of purify food and drink. Like it 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 changes the 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 design space in a way that you have to make sure you're not you, you're you're informing people that certain character options are no longer necessary so they don't waste their time. Yeah, although with Star Wars, there already is a flashback mechanic. It's the destiny points. Um, so, like, you just use what's existing. If you want to make a flashback more powerful, just make it cost more points. I didn't know that. I didn't know that 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 they were used that way. Yeah, I mean, the, the, one of the main ways to use them is like you know, uh, you know, you land on the ice planet, uh, and and you, you get out, and you're like, shit, how do we get around here? Did we, we bring tauntons? Well, we didn't talk about it. So, flip a destiny point. Like, yeah, you brought your tauntons. I don't remember ever using it that way, but I guess. I guess we just we only ever used it really to get point bonuses, so yeah, that's cool. And I've seen some other like you know, Forge in the Dark, like uh, like like forces. It's like ah, I don't know, man. That's just let blades be blades, you know. <laughs>